0: Good morning. Um, so in our last podcast, we stopped um, at the nearing the end of Tes Vav Amud Aleph 15a. Um, still trying to reconcile all of the different opinions about inaudible recitals of Shema and Birkata Mazon, Benching, Grace After Meals, and uh, separation of Truma and the blessing that, that comes before the separation of Truma. And we just had introduced um, the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda and the opinion of his teacher, and uh, suggesting that perhaps they were different. So now we're going to talk about the uh, opinion of his teacher. And with having the opinion of his p- teacher, then we could understand how to reconcile all of the different uh, teachings in a different way. So we're at the word, it's non. So one, two, three, four, five... Actually, just two lines up fr- before the lines get very wide. Um, last three words on the line, Ditsnan. Ditsnan. We learned in a Mishnah, Rebuhuda Omer Mishum Rabbi Lazar Ben Azariah. So this is Reb Yehuda saying something in the name of Rabbi Lazar Ben Azariah, who was his teacher. So what's that? What's his teacher's opinion? Someone that says Shema... Needs to be able to hear it. Shemar, as the verse says, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad, Hero Israel, the Lord is God, the Lord is one. You have to hear it, Hero Israel. Omar Li Rabbi Mer Rabbi Meir said to him, Harehu Omer, but doesn't it say, Asher Anochim Etzavacha Hayom Alevevecha? Doesn't it say that I command you today upon your hearts? Achar Kavanas Haleve Hain Hain and that concept of upon your hearts seemingly should tell us that um, the the words here need to be on our hearts. Um, which is all about just a uh, focus in our hearts not needing not needing to hear it out loud. So um, that we see now so we see here a machlokus between Rabbi Yehuda's rabbi Rabbi Huda's teacher Rabbi Lazar ben and Rabbi Mer, whether you need to say the shema out loud or not. And now what the Gemara is going to do is with these opinions in mind, it's going to kind of recalibrate when it comes to who was the teacher in each of the different lessons that we learned. So, now that we have this, these opinions, or specifically Rabbi Meir's opinion, we can actually say that Rabbi Yehuda holds like his teacher, um, and suggests that when you if you say shema in a way that you cannot hear it it only works after the fact it's not the ideal way to say it kasha, and still there's no problem here because when the Rebbe Huda in the a different Rebbe Huda Rebbe Huda Shimon Rebbe the son of Shimon ben when he said that somebody that's deaf is able to is allowed to uh, separate truma even ideally. Ha rebi mer that would be going according to rebi mer. This new opinion that we just found. Ha rebi yehuda, and then the bryces that talked about um, it only working after the fact. So that's the when it comes to the grace after meals. When it comes to Birkata Mazon, and the mishnah that talked about truma. Um, which said basically that um, only after the fact is this inaudible recitation going to work. Who would that be going according to? That would be Rebbe Yehuda, who agrees with his teacher, Rabbi Lazar ben Azarya, that ideally you need to hear what you are saying. Okay, so now we're going to throw in another Mishnah and try to decide who is the teacher of this Mishnah. Tanan, whose opinion it follows? Tanan Hassan, we learned in a Mishnah. Hakol Kishirim Lakrosis Everybody is... Val everybody is kosher to read the Megillah. Chutz shote vikatan, except for three uh, categories of people, which are a cheresh—that's somebody that is deaf—a shote, somebody that um, is um, mentally uh, mentally handicapped, vikatan, and and by the way, the extent of what mentally handicapped means is actually pretty extreme, vikatan, and a um, a minor. So somebody under the age of thirteen or twelve. Um, so those are the people that cannot read the Megillah. For others, Rabbi Judah Machsher and Rabbi he says that actually a minor is allowed to read the Megillah. So we are now going to f- try to figure out who it is, who is the teacher that says, who is it that taught, whose opinion is it that would say that somebody that is a cherish, that is deaf, is not allowed to read Megillah. So, man tana cheresh di Who is it that would teach that somebody that is deaf, even after the fact, their Megillah reading would not work? Who is the teacher of that? Because right now we're, uh, the Gemara is assuming that the Mishnah means when it says a Cheresh, somebody that is deaf, is not allowed to read the Megillah, it's even after the fact. So who is the uh, opinion that says that? Um, Rav Masna, so Rav Masna answers Rabbi Yosehi. It's Rabbi Yosehi. It's not, because we learned in our Mishnah, the Mishnah in Brachos. If you read the shma and you were not able to hear it, you still fulfilled your obligation. Rabbi Huda, says, Lo Yatza, you did not fulfill your obligation. So we say we see we see that even after the fact, Yosi says it needed to have been audible. So therefore, we could suggest that when it comes to the Megillah as well, even after the fact, a Cheresh, Somebody that's deaf cannot read, and that would be going according to the opinion of Rabbi Yossi. But now we're going to continue analyzing that Mishnah about the Megillah. Mi mai hi But the question is, is we just set it up now that that Mishnah that says a Cheresh cannot read the Megillah, somebody that's deaf cannot read is Rabbi Yossi. But why are we assuming it's Rabbi Yossi, and that the Mishnah is telling us that even after the fact, a Cheresh is not, as somebody that's deaf is not allowed to read the Megillah, now we're on page 15b, Ahmad Bays. Dilma Yehuda. Maybe the Mishnah is going according to Rabbi Yehuda. And it's only ideally in the first place that a um that somebody that is deaf is not should not be reading the Megillah. Hadi Evid But perhaps the way to understand the Mishnah is that after the fact, somebody that's deaf could have fulfilled the Megillah obligation by reading it, and that could be going according to Rabbi Yehuda. So why don't we suggest that that's what the Mishnah is referring to? So we say, Lo salka No, do not think like that. De katani, because the Mishnah groups together different different categories. And it says, dumya de shota katan. And the assumption would be is that if it groups together the person that's deaf with a mentally handicapped as well as a minor, then we would assume that they all have the same law. Um, so, we should assume that somebody that's deaf will be similar in law to somebody that is mentally handicapped and to a minor. nami lo. And just like a mentally handicapped person and a minor, even after the fact, their Megillah reading does not work. Avcheresh the even nami to somebody that's deaf we would assume um, also uh, after, even after the fact their megillah reading is not a is not a fulfillment of the megillah obligation that's what led us to understand the mishnah in the uh, in the original way the Dilma, the isa the hakah the isa but perhaps that's not true. Perhaps each one is, its, is in its own category. So the mentally handicapped person and the minor, they would be able to. They cannot read even after the fact, and somebody that's deaf can read after the fact, um, and that would allow for the Mishnah to still be a co- the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. So we answer Umi <laughs> But then we say, Wait a minute! You, you can't really think Umi Can you really find to establish that Mishnah by the, of the Megillah reading like Rabbi Yehuda? The Hamidik seifa, but look at the end of the Mishnah, Rabbi Yehuda beKatan, where Rabbi Yehuda allows a minor to read the Megillah Michlal. So the inference is, we can infer that the beginning part of the Mishnah is certainly not going according to Rabbi Yehuda, because then the whole thing would be Rabbi Yehuda and be Rabbi Yehuda arguing with Rabbi Yehuda, and that obviously cannot work. So. That's why we decided to understand the beginning of the Mishnah like Rebbe Yossi. And all three of those uh, categories cannot read the Megillah even after the fact. So then we keep saying, you know, Vidilma Kula No, maybe maybe both parts of the Mishnah are Rebbe Yehuda. Utre Gavni Katan, and there are two types of minors. The Chasuri Mechsara. The hachikatani, so those are important words. The Chasuri mechzera, and there are words that are missing. The hachikatani, and this is really what the Mishnah was teaching us. There were just some words missing from the Mishnah. This, but this is the way to understand it. Hakol kisheirin ha hamegilla. This is how to read the Mishnah. Everybody is valid to read the Megillah. Chutz mechere shoto except for a deaf person, a um, a mentally handicapped person, and a minor. and what. Are we specifically referring to when we refer to a minor? We're referring to a minor that did not yet reach the age of Chinuch, which means the age of being of, of, of where we are required to start teaching them to fulfill the mitzvot. But a, um, but a minor that did reach the age of Chinuch, the age of uh, being taught how to do the mitzvot, then somebody at that age is actually even ideally allowed to read the Megillah. And these are the words of Rabbi bekaton, Because we know Rabbi Yehuda um, allows a minor to read the Megillah. A specific type of minor, but a minor nonetheless. So that is how the Gemara suggests we should read the Mishnah. And then the whole thing can be Rabbi Yehuda's opinion. And we can understand that when... It, and, the, and then we can understand the Mishnah that when it says that a deaf person cannot read the Megillah, that's only ideally, but not after the fact. Okay. So uh, now we're going to ask on this understanding. Bimay ukimta k'Rab Yehuda. So how did we just establish the Mishnah according to what we just said? We established it like Rebuhuda. Yehuda. Udi lo. And when it comes to a... Um, deaf person, we would say that in the first place, they should not read the Megillah, but after the fact, it worked. Okay, so at this point, we're going to start to find that the analysis is incredibly similar to the analysis on 15a, so it's really just a repeat, actually, in many ways. But then, the teaching of Rabbi Huda, the son of Rabbi Shemimim Pazi, that somebody that's deaf, that could um, speak but cannot hear, Torim we say that he's allowed to take off Shuma, separate Shuma, even in the first place. Mani, who would that be going according to? Whose opinion does that follow? Lo Rabbi Yehuda, I can't be following Rabbi Yehuda, according to our recent interpretation of Rabbi Yehuda, that would say that um, an inaudible recital only works after the fact, because here we're saying that you're allowed to separate Shuma, um, even if you cannot hear, even ideally. And it can't follow Rabbi Yossi, because Rabbi Yossi says that even after the fact it doesn't work. Because if you're going to say it's Rabbi Yehuda, He says that only after the fact does it work, but not in the first place. And if you're going to say it's Rabbi Yossi, We can't do that, because he would say that even after the fact it doesn't work. So who then is Rabbi Yehuda going like? It must be that we have the wrong explanation of Rabbi Yehuda, and that really Rabbi Yehuda says that in it, that an inaudible recital even works in the first place, and Rabbi Shem Yehuda Bereder, Rabbi Shimon Pazi about Truma is going according to the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. That's what we want to say right now. Um, okay, LMI. but then what are you talking about? But then, but then what follows, Rabbi Yehuda. That would mean then that the b'raisa that talks about truma is going according to Rabbi Yehuda, and that Rabbi Yehuda would hold that even ideally um, an inaudible recital does the trick. But But what about the following b'raisa? Well, a person should not recite the grace after meals in his heart, meaning to himself it should be audible, The but if he did, Say it to himself. Yatsa, he has fulfilled his obligation. So here we see mani. Now, who would this b'raisa be? Whose opinion would this b'raisa be following? Lo, Rabbi Huda, v'lo Rabbi It couldn't be following Rabbi Huda, our new interpretation of Rabbi Huda, and it obviously can't be following Rabbi Yosi. I Rabbi Huda, because if you're going to say it's Rabbi Huda, ha'amar afi Didn't we just explain Rabbi Huda that even ideally, an inaudible recital works? and if you're going according, if you're going to suggest that it's going according to rabbi Yossi, that can't be ha afilu didn't he say that even after the fact an inaudible recital does not work so how are we to understand that brisa so we say le olam rabbi no the reality is is that it's the it is going according to rabbi huda so meaning the shuma the brisa about shuma by rabbi huda braid of shimem Pazi, that's going according to Rabbi Huda. and Rabbi Huda holds that even ideally, an inaudible recitation works. the kasha, and there's no question. There's no. There's no problem here, from the Bryce about berkat Zone that said that about the grace after meals that said only after the fact does an inaudible recitation work, because Hadide dei because the b'raisa that talks about separating Chuma ideally in the first place, that's Rabbi Huda's own opinion. And the b'raisa about Birkat Mazon that it only works after the fact, that's Hadar Abbey, That's going according to his teacher's opinion, like we explained earlier. Ditanya, and we're going to once again bring out, bring the teaching of his teacher. Ditanya, because we learned <speaking> in a b'raisa. <Hebrew> Rabbi Huda said in the name of Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda, Hakori Huda, Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda, somebody that reads the Shema has to um, hear it in his ears, has to make it audible. Shinemar, as the verse says, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokein wa Hashem Echad. Hear, O Israel, Lord is a God, the Lord is one. Sorry, I said the rest of the verse. Omer lo Rabbi mer said to him, Harehu Omer. What are you talking about? It says, Asher Anochi mitzavacha hayom alavavecha. It says, that I command you today upon your heart. And upon your heart teaches us, achar kavanas halev hein hein hadvarim, that these things have to be you have to have a specific type of focus, a focus in your heart, but you do not need to recite them audibly. So um, that's the machlokis between Rabbi Huda and Rabbi Meir. So now that we under- now that we have Rabbi Meir's opinion, hashadus <laughs> So again, we're just repeating what we've said already. Now that we have Rabbi Meir's opinion, afilu tema Rabbi Huda, hashadus literally means now that we have arrived here, afilu <laughs> Huda. Kerabes veirle. We could say that Rabbi Huda actually holds like his teacher that an inaudible recitation works um, only after the fact. Velo kasha, and yet there's still no problem. We could still um, we could still give um, we could still understand whose opinion each of the teachings that we've mentioned are. Velo kasha, it's not a question. Ha Rabbi Huda? Because the braysha that talked about. Um, Berkat Amazon only working after the fact. If it was inaudible, that would be Rabbi Huda. Rabbi Mer, whereas the Bryce about the chuma, the separation of the chuma working even in the first place, that would be going according to a Mer, who, um, who says that you could have an inaudible recitation, even l'chadchila, even in the first place. So that is where, um, after all of our analysis, that is where we end up right now. And now we're going to have a halachic ruling. Amar Rav Chista, Shela, Rav Chista says, in the name of Rav Shela, Halacha K'Rab Yehuda, Sh'amar Mishum Rablazer ben Azariah, The Halacha follows, Rabbi Yehuda, who said in the name of Rablazer ben Azariah, that an inaudible recitation works after the fact, halacha K'Rab Yehuda, and the Halacha is like Rabbi Yehuda, who, the, who we are now explaining, in our Mishnah, is saying exactly the same thing. Okay, that, uh, that, that uh, the Shema recital, that is inaudible, works after the fact. Utsricha. Now the problem is, is that we just said the same thing twice. The Halacha Fazek like Rehuda in the name of Rabbalah Zemin Azariah, which is that in an inaudible recitation works after the fact. And then we said halacha like Halacha that in an inaudible recitation works after the fact. Why do we need both of these teachings? Utsricha. And we need both of these teachings. De'i Ashmi'inan Halacha Karebi Yehuda. Because if we only taught that halacha, if we only said the words that the halacha is like Rabbi Huda, Amina I would have thought that we could that the Mishnah, our Mishnah that says Rabbi Huda says that in that an inaudible recitation works. I would have thought that that actually meant even in the first place it works. Therefore, we're teaching you halacha. Rabbi Sha'amar mishum Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah. Therefore, we're going to teach you as well that the halacha is like Rabbi Yehuda, who said in the name of Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah that even that even um, that uh, that an inaudible recitation only works after the fact. So that's why we needed to say the words that the halacha is like Rabbi Yehudah in the name of Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah. But now the question is, is why wasn't it enough just to say the halacha is like Rabbi Huda in the name of Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah? And we would know that um, an inaudible recitation only works after the fact. So now we're going to talk about that. V'yi and halacha Rabbi mishum ben and if we only would have taught that the halacha is like Rabbi Huda in the name of Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah, his teacher, hava amina tzarech takana. You may have thought that when Rebbe Lazar ben Azariah was saying that you need to make the recitation audible, you may have thought that you need to, and if you didn't, there is no way that if you can't or that you didn't, there's no way to be misakain. there's no way to remedy the situation. So in other words, you may have thought that what Rebbe Lazar ben Azariah was saying was that even um, after the fact, an in inaudible recitation does not work, so kamash malan. Therefore, we're teaching you halacha Kribihuda, The halacha follows Rabbi Huda, and if we add that, then we'll go back to understand. If we say the is like Rabbi Huda, and the is like Rabbi Huda, in the name of Rabbi lazar ben Azariah, we now understand that when Rabbi Huda was saying this teaching in the name of Rabbi lazar ben Azariah, he meant that Rabbi lazar ben Azariah meant as well. That an inaudible recitation only does not work ideally, but certainly after the fact you have fulfilled your obligation. So um, I think we'll stop here because the this is a uh, we're 20 minutes in now, and for sure that will take another while to get through the next part. So we'll stop here in the middle of 15b, um, and uh, we'll just do a quick uh, repetition. But basic uh, t- sorry, a quick summary. But the summary is a very similar summary than it would have been on uh, 15a. So basically, we have all these different opinions trying to understand um, these different law, these different teachings about inaudible recitations, and we have Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Yosi, Rabbi Meir, and Rabbi Huda in the name of his teacher Rabbi Lazar All of those could have meant, um, you know, so all of those could be the opinions that the different braisas meant or the different mishnas were referring to, and we end up reconciling it in the end. And then we have a halachic uh, a halachic opinion when it comes to say the Shema. We finally have a halachic conclusion when it comes to saying the Shema. Um, that the way it works is is that the halacha would be is that in the first place you should say Shema audibly. But if you didn't after the fact, your Shema you you have fulfilled your obligation. So that's where we are right now. Have a wonderful day.